Thank you, Jake. We're uh, working through his secondary text uh, each week is a hymn, a uh, hymn that we, most of us know, but maybe there's a verse or two that uh, we might not be as familiar with, and, and obviously today, just as I am. Our text uh, this morning is going to be uh, Luke chapter 19, so it's the story of the Good Samaritan, that's page 878. If you want to grab a Bible and turn to it, you also can follow along on the screen. Um, it's going to be a familiar passage, I'm sure, one that uh, many of us have either read or at least heard about. So here, here the word of the Lord uh, from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. He, that is being Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone for anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to, to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Oh God, in the spirit of worship that's been a part of this service from the beginning, we want to continue. Uh, we want that to be uh, a part of what we do now as we worship differently. Uh, instead of singing, we want to engage the scripture lesson and engage it in a way that uh, you use it through your spirit so that what's created in us is levels of change. And for some, it might be the very beginning of that change. For someone else, it might be a continuation of something that's been going on 
for a very long time, but we know that the, the end of the gospel is transformation. And so we want to be open to that this morning. We want to yield to that this morning. Uh, and so guide us and direct us, uh, whether we're here uh, in this uh, fellowship hall or whether we're joining at home, or even if we're, gonna, if we're watching this uh, in the days to come. Uh, we still want it to be used to create Jesus Christ inside of us. And um, we pray this in your name. Amen. Charlotte Elliott, she lived in 1789, or at least she was born in 1789, to an evangelical Christian family in London, England. And unfortunately, at an early age, age 32, uh, she was disabled through an illness, um, and her disability, it, it, would, it would last uh, with her for the rest of her life. Now, if you think about people who have an illness or some level of disability at an early age, it's not just the physical aspect of that that can be overwhelming. There's normally an emotional aspect of that uh, that can be just as debilitating. And that was definitely true with Charlotte. She uh, suffered from deep emotional scars uh, that led to levels of depression, deep-seated rage, uh, a great deal of inner conflict, so much so that she, uh, not long into her, her time of disability, she sought the, the help and the advice of a spiritual mentor. And the spiritual mentor, um, the majority of this mentor's work was to, to help establish some level of emotional peace in light of everything that was happening to her, really through the measure of what we would probably call just a, a basic, simple faith in God. The mentor knew that Charlotte loved to journal, loved to, to write, and so he encouraged her to, to journal her thoughts, to write her thoughts, and to even write, write it in poetic form or, or write it in, in the form of hymns, and which incidentally, I don't know if you practice journaling, and it's not something I do every single time, but it can be very, very helpful, particularly when there's times of either conflict or, and that what I mean by conflict, conflict on the inside, maybe it could be anxiety, or if you just find yourself in a season of time when, when, it's, uh, when it's being tossed and turned, there's something about writing your thoughts down. It, even, it doesn't matter if somebody's going to read them. Whether you're tap, typing them out on a computer screen or you're writing them down in an actual journal or even you're speaking them, there's something of, that that is very therapeutic in the process of getting them out. And that was true with Charlotte. She channeled all of her emotional struggle in the, with, matched with this idea of a simple faith uh, into hymns. One of the hymns is what we have today, Just As I Am. Now, for decades since Charlotte penned those words, for, for, for decades, uh, Evangelists have been using this hymn in services to remind people of God's, uh, uh, just of God's grace and mercy. And it's still uh, relevant today. Why? For this reason, most people, the way they see faith is in what I would call an idea of a spiritual hierarchy. Or what we do is we have a, a ladder approach when it comes to God. 
And, and the idea is that the, the, the more good works you do, the decreased number of sins you commit, uh, you, you know, the more perfect that you are, the higher you climb up the ladder, the rungs of the ladder, which means you're higher up on this spiritual hierarchy. And so they, we, we live this way. Um, the higher we climb with good works, then the more uh, welcoming God is going to be towards us. The, the, the higher we climb up the rungs in the ladder, then God is going to, the wider God's arms are going to be when it comes to acceptance. That was true in Zacchaeus' day, and it's still true today. Right or wrong, not trying to, to defend that. It's just how we process faith. And Zacchaeus lived in a world where they saw faith or goodness and this, this means of spiritual hierarchy or what I would call this latter approach to God. Well, Zacchaeus, he's uh, in Jericho. That's what we know about the text. And, and the, the text really underplays how, how deep-seated the hate was towards Zacchaeus. Nobody, nobody liked Zacchaeus. And, and, and the reason why is because he was considered the worst of the worst, mainly because of his profession. He was a tax collector. Tax collectors made their living off lying to people. And not only was Zacchaeus was a tax collector, he's the chief tax collector, which means he's the regional tax collector. Uh, and, and so he, he made his money lying to the people who lied to others to make their money. I mean, this is the bottom rung of when it comes to, to morality. He's, he's dishonest. He, made, he sold his soul for this. He's unethical. And, and so no one cared about Zacchaeus. Enters Jesus. By this time in Luke's gospel, Jesus has some level of fame. And so he's on his way, Jesus, that is, is on his way to Jerusalem for one of the festivals. Well, the way the, the, roads, uh, the, way the roads were laid out in, in, in the ancient world is that he would have to pass through, through Jericho. And so the, the word reached Jericho that Jesus was coming. He was about to be in the city, and so the city was abuzz with the news, with all the things that were going on, so much so that even Zacchaeus heard of it. And either Zacchaeus was small in stature, as in physically, or he was small in stature when, as, as it comes to other people. The bottom line uh, is that he was blocked out and couldn't see Jesus. And so G Zacchaeus moved into seeker mode, and he ran down in front and positioned himself to where he could see Jesus. And upon Jesus arriving at the point to where Zacchaeus is, Jesus called out Zacchaeus. Now, what doesn't show up in the text is you can imagine what the people thought, all right? They're a product of this spiritual hierarchy, understanding of faith, and, and they understand that Zacchaeus is, is, there's not even a rung low enough for Zacchaeus. And all of a sudden, here is the person at the highest rung, Jesus, calls out the man at the lowest rung, Zacchaeus. And so you can begin to imagine what it was like for the townspeople. Zacchaeus is finally going to get his due. Somebody's about to call him on the carpet. He's made his living off of lying and, and, and stealing from other people, and it's about to go down. Jesus is about to do it. But to the surprise of all, what does Jesus do? He doesn't call him on the carpet. He says, you're going to cook lunch for me. 
we're going to your house, which was a sign of friendship in the ancient world. I mean, just let that sit for a second. First and foremost, I bet Zacchaeus was shocked, at least in the beginning. If you, if you are aware that you've made some poor decisions in your life and you're living into the effects of those decisions and you have this understanding of a ladder approach to God, then you understand where you sit on this ladder. And, and, and the fact that someone who's at the, the highest rung wants to fellowship, eat, be friends with you, I mean, you know, I, if I was Zacchaeus, I would be shocked. I mean, no one treats Zacchaeus this way, chief of which, Jesus, or at least that's the way it should be. And so if, you've, if people have treated you this way, as in being the lowest of the low, no redemption for you. Doesn't matter if it's because you've made poor decisions or not. But if you get treated that way long enough, it's easy to believe the press. Maybe I am actually that low. And the fact that somebody of high esteem would reach out to someone of low esteem. Well, you can envision at least some level of sh shock for Zacchaeus. I mean, Zacchaeus sold himself for greed, and people knew it, and he treated people accordingly. And so they treated, people in, they treated him in like manner. And yet Jesus wants to eat with him. On one level in the passage, that alone is astounding, almost scandalous. What do you think the, town, the townspeople thought? I mean, what would you think? Well, we have that answer. That's verse 7. I mean, we see that. That's pretty clear that the moment that Jesus said, hurry down and, and, and we're going to eat at your house, verse 7 said, and they saw it. They all grumbled. Uh, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I mean, I understand verse 7. I mean, after all, right, you are the company you keep. Isn't that what you've been taught? Isn't that what you teach? I mean, I've been taught that. You got to be careful who you associate with because, you, you know, they're going to rub off on you, right? We have reputations to uphold. Uh, I mean, what would people think if we were to associate with someone like a Zacchaeus? I mean, do you think Jesus understood that? Uh, maybe. If we had to choose to identify with someone in the passage, who would it be? I mean, for some, it might be Zacchaeus. I understand that. Made bad decisions, lied. Sometimes there are things like greed or pride or whatever it may be that gets the best of us. And so I can see some level of identification with Zacchaeus. You know, and if you live like that long enough, it really is easier to believe that you are beyond the scope of God's grace. If you've been told that over and over and over again, either directly or indirectly, yeah, maybe with Zacchaeus. If that is you this morning, I hope you will reread the passage. Because you are not beyond the scope of God's grace. 
regardless of the decision or the decisions you've made. That's not the gospel. If it's not Zacchaeus, I think for many of us, we, we definitely would agree with the townspeople. I mean, this idea of this wrong mentality. I mean, surely God loves those who have a clean ledger. And who, who do a lot of good works, cut down on the poor decisions. I mean, it's not right. But we do understand this spiritual hierarchy. This latter approach. And we do think that if we participate with people who are at a lower rung, then what's that going to say about us? And so if it's not Zacchaeus, maybe when we read this passage, it's easy for us to, to identify with verse 7. I can't believe he associates with sinners. And not just a normal sinner, a chief sinner. You know, what we don't get is we don't get the full interaction, I wish we did, between Zacchaeus and Jesus. We get a couple of sentences, we get the fact that they ate lunch, but we do know the effects of what happened. Zacchaeus has changed. You know, repentance, when we think about repentance, what we normally think is that's a, just a changed heart. It is that, but it's more. It actually is transformation, restoration. Zacchaeus, who sold his soul for greed, now becomes generous. A man whose life goal was either wealth, or power, or autonomy, and now it's generosity. He let go of what he once hoarded, of what once defined him, because he wanted to be defined by something else. Don't miss that in the passage. And also notice that Jesus sought Zacchaeus and accepted him before there was any repentance. That's interesting to me. It's not a wrong mentality. That's not how to define a spiritual hierarchy because it's definitely not the gospel message. You know, the front end of the gospel might be God accepts us just as we are. But that's not the, the back end of the gospel because the back end of the gospel is that God is not content to leave you where he finds you which means transformation a changed nature is the ultimate goal it might start in acceptance but that's it ends with change do you hear the words that Jake sang I know you know them just as I am, 
though tossed about, many a conflict, many a doubt, fighting and fears within and without. O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou will receive, will welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. And because you've promised, I believe. O Lamb of God, I come. This is Zacchaeus' story. And I would imagine in some degree, it's our story. What's that last verse? The Son of Man came to seek and to save whom? The perfect? That's in the passage? No. The lost and the broken. I hope you can hear the gospel message. Because whether we are Zacchaeus are the townspeople. It's not about rungs. It's not about a hierarchy. It's about being welcomed and changed by a God who seeks and saves. Which is also the message of communion. I know we take it often. And because of the frequency by which we take it, it's easy to miss the message because it's like eating home cooking. But every time you take this communion, it is the story of Zacchaeus and a God who seeks to save the lost and the broken, for which we all are. So it's right for us to come with grateful hearts to remember again the gospel message. Oh God, as we look at this passage and we let it simmer, we, we know it's, it's not only about Zacchaeus. It's about us. And to some degrees, we can identify with Zacchaeus and we can identify with, with the people in the town. And yet, the gospel mes message is for both. And so what we want to do again is we want to, own, we want to claim and own, which means hold, take in, how you come to seek and to save. Regardless if it's the first time for us believing, or if it's something that we've known longer than we can remember. We just don't want to forget it. And so we want your, the fullness of your spirit to work inside of us so that it continues this work of transformation. Where with our minds, our hearts, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our mouth, we want it to be Jesus Christ. So God, we, we confess that there are times where we do not give ourselves to this. We don't have an excuse. It's easy to make them. But the truth is we, we, we are without excuse. And so forgive us, oh God, we pray. We pray for the, the, the freedom of joyful obedience.
that comes in you. We acknowledge you as our God, our Lord, and we want to live in peace with you and with each other. This is what we proclaim as we take again this bread as the body of Christ, which was given for each one of us. One body, one loaf. And then we take the cup, the cup of forgiveness, the new covenant. You told your disciples, and in doing so, you told us, partake of this as often as you wish in remembrance of me, knowing that in this cup holds our forgiveness. For all of this, O oh God, we give thanks, and we ask your blessings upon it. Consecrate these elements in your name as we seek to worship you. In Christ's name, amen.